Welcome back to Capitalism. Now, we've already covered applying for jobs, having a job, but we noticed that we rarely ever talk about leaving a job. Well, besides dreaming about it every minute of our conscious lives. But today we thought we would kind of go into what it takes to leave, whether that means being fired or quitting or taking a new job. There's just a little bit more to it than just walking away. And I think that you have a story for us, right, Nate? Yeah, well, it's more like a, a series of like anecdotes, I guess, or and even like questions. I Like in my head, I kind of divided this up into like you like you said, there's basically quitting and then there's getting fired and then there's getting laid off, which I kind of view. I think getting laid off is kind of like the lighter version of, of getting fired. And so my first story is from the place that we mutually worked. There were certain employees that we had given a ton of chances to, to just kind of like get their shit together. And it's, it wasn't like a huge ask. Like literally the job was you monitor the vending machines. And if something went wrong, you log into the cameras, see what's wrong and call a person. And then they would go out and fix it. And every once in a while, you could just like reset the machine. And that's it. I think that's a pretty low ask as far as, you know, what's going on. It seemed like every employee that we ended up hiring was like just not able to kind of fully process it. And um, one, when I quit the job, I think I gave them a week. And I also lied and said I was moving to Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I distinctly remember when I was leaving was when um, one of our employees had utilized a VPN to uh, download uh, pornographic content. This was like the third or fourth time he had done it. And the first couple of times he uh, didn't use a VPN. So we like caught him right away because all I did was like, log into that account on the computer and then like started typing a porn site into the browser and it just came up as like the auto populate. I'm like, dude, you didn't even purge the history, man. Come on. <laughs> like you you at least have to like extend me that courtesy. <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's almost insulting. So he did that twice. It was just more like annoying than it was like truly inhibiting to the job but then uh the final time he must have gotten like sick and tired of getting caught so he tried to download a vpn but what he ended up doing is he actually he downloaded it in a remote session he couldn't tell the difference between being remoted into a vending machine and his own desktop even though we made the desktops completely different so everyone could tell so he downloaded this vpn to the vending machine and had basically cut it off from the world as soon as he turned it on because we couldn't connect to it uh, because we didn't know the IP. And so we actually had to fly somebody out there to like unfuck it because the the person on site was so um, technologically inept. And so, you know, we had to sit down and it's like, hey man like we know you did this and here's like we had like the session logs of him doing it it was during his shift and he was the only one in the office and and it was just like a a shitload of evidence but 
he was the second person that we were kind of like eyeing letting go because he just wasn't getting it. You know, we'd given him like a bunch of different chances to like get his shit together. And it's just like, wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. I ended up leaving and uh, the operations manager ended up taking over for me for a little bit in, in my, and he texted me uh, echoing his frustration like for this employee. And he's like, I don't know how you, how you dealt with that. You know, I was like, well, you know, I generally took this like sit back, watch. And then, you know, once it got too overwhelming, I talked to my manager and we'd have a sit down and have this like final chance type of thing where he signed a paper and stuff. I was like, but if you want to do yourself a favor, I was like, uh, do they still have that file cabinet behind my desk? He's like, yeah, no one's touched your desk. There's a key that's taped under my desk. <laughs> Open the bottom drawer. He, <laughs> he goes to text me. He goes, what the fuck, dude? And I had a file on basically like all these employees and just like, it, and it was email after email after email of me going, hey man, couldn't help but notice that you know, this didn't happen, right? Like I, I, and it would just be like a log of how I had stayed after for like a couple hours to like retrain him for the hundredth time. It was all these logs of how I had just gone above and beyond. And I was actually going to use that to like justify me getting paid more. But then I was like, oh wait, this is like dirt. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, you could probably use that as like a very like justifiable <laughs> thing forget it like for letting him go he was really impressed because i had basically started a file for almost every single one of my employees they would only let me pay these people like eight dollars an hour so you you get like eight dollars an hour work and it was like i said it was more for me justifying that i needed paid more because i constantly had to be like hey you know i saw you did this wrong not a huge deal. I'll stay after for like an hour or two. We can go through it again. And, you know, we'll all get this eventually type of thing. And so, yeah, he was, he was like, holy shit, dude. Thing that always amazed me about that place was they weren't all terrible. Some were, some were okay. Some were bad. I personally liked a lot of them. No, the thing that really got me was that we had some that were exceptional. And then would refuse to pay them more to stay and went above and beyond on absolutely everything that he did. It was well worth more than what he was asking. And they refused to, to cover that. There were two of them that come to mind. Yeah, but they understandably left. Yeah, I and do not blame them. I am sure are doing much, much, much better now. We've, we've talked about the front end of the life cycle, like applying for jobs and having a job, but we hadn't quite talked about like quitting a job. Have you ever quit a job in a glorious fashion? No. That's such a bummer. Yeah. There have been a few jobs that I've, I've quit where there were like processes that were kind of reliant on me existing to run. There was one where it was early on in my career and I was still like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, Type. And I kept trying to transition this process that was like very integral <laughs> to the help desk running. And I, and I was like, hey, can we meet today? Hey, can we meet today? Hey, can we meet today? And they were like, no, I'm busy. No, I have this thing. No, I have this thing. And they kept putting it off, putting it off. And finally, I'm like, hey, just so you know, today is my last day. And so if you can't like fit this in, 
then this process is just going to like die. Cause it's like, I had written it down, but it was really something you like had to do a couple times to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I left at like, I don't know. I usually on days that I quit, I'm like, you know what? One thirty seems fine. <laughs> it's like, you know, what the fuck? Who like, who the fuck cares? What are they going to do? And so I left and they texted me at like 545. They couldn't follow my instructions. And they're like, I need to run this process right now. And I was like, I just pretended like I had changed my phone number. (laughs) This is not Nate's phone number anymore. I don't understand that. I've experienced similar things in the past where it's like, but we really need to know this. It's like, we spent three months leading up to this <laughs> this shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone and the fact that you chose to ignore every every signal in those three months leading up to this really kind of doesn't make me want to help yeah i've never had a spectacular and i've never seen one either where someone keep, is just I like i keep trying to convince you to do that i know I'm, i'll tell you what if i if i ever win the lottery or something like that I, I will give you enough money to retire. <laughs> the transaction is going to be, I'll give you enough money to retire and you'll never need to work again. But on the flip side, you have to go into your employer and you have to say exactly what I've written. <laughs> you cannot provide edits or, or feedback to what I've written. Yeah, I don't know that that would ever be a good, a good agreement on my half. You could retire. Yeah, but the amount of things that I would have to say if if you're going to provide it and you know that I can't edit it. No, is, I'll keep it I'll keep it down to one page and it, it it you won't say anything that would get you arrested. There was a video of a guy who quit a job and it was like it looked like a CVS or something, but it was over in the UK and he did it by basically making it like a town crier was coming in. It was like he was standing there while somebody unraveled the scroll and read it off because oh, yeah, they required yeah, yeah. him to give a Formal, written. written. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that. That's clever. I like that. I saw the one where this kid hired like a band, like a marching band. <laughs> and yeah. they were hiding in the hallway. And then he's like, hey, Mike, I quit. And then it's like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't understand the idea behind forcing you to give this written confirmation. It's like, no, no, like I can understand wanting to work out details of the date and like sending an email and saying, okay, well, this date's my last date. That, okay, that's fine. To give this like formal, I'm leaving this place. I'm no longer going to work here. My last day is this date. This is why I'm leaving. This is what I do now. This is what you're going to need to pick up. Like that seems dumb. I don't understand why that would be a thing. And you're also asking it of a person that no longer has really any ties to you. The, the whole two week notice thing is kind of strange in my opinion. It's like, here's this person and you're really counting on them to not be a dick for two weeks before they leave because right. they have, they've basically just said, okay, everything I'm here for right now is just to help you out because I'm gone. And so if I don't want to do anything for two weeks, I don't, what are you going to do? Fire me? (laughs) It's turning a new job. I love the feeling right after you've told like a select number of people that you're leaving 
and you get like something shitty happens where they're like they do like an all hands or something mm. like that and they're like oh my god um uh, actually i think i sent you the link to that news release but one of the places that i worked recently had a pretty significant data breach <laughs> and they had an all hands and it was right after it was like not even 45 minutes after i had told my boss that i was leaving she like sent me a ping on skype she's like are you listening to any of this and i was like listening to what <laughs> she's like are you in this all hands meeting i'm like no no no, <laughs> no i'm not and she's like well this is impacting uh, some of your applications and <laughs> i i didn't want to be too mean because they she had been nice to me um, but I, I almost wrote back, you mean your applications? <laughs> what is the least amount of time you've given notification for? I've never had less than two weeks. The thing that always kind of surprised me was the shocked Pikachu face. And every time that you gave it, like, oh, you're leaving? Like, oh, yeah. It's like, I've been, <laughs> I've been asking for a raise for five years. <laughs> well, not just that. And it's like, each one of them, there's no way that you can't tell that someone's unhappy. You interact with these people all the time. And there's been times where you'll have people under you and you're like, yeah, they're not going to stick around. You can tell that they're not happy doing what they're doing. They're only here waiting to get to someplace else that's going to pay them more. Right. And so if you like that person, you'll go and say, okay, well, we should give this person more money. And then you'll be told, no, no, this is what we pay for that. It's like, okay, well, they're going to leave. And they're like, well, tough shit. Figure it out. And, and so it's like, you know that above you, someone has to be seeing that as well in you going, there's no way that they're still happy with, they've come to me, they've asked for this, they've asked for that. Uh, we haven't given it to them. So what would, why would there ever be an expectation that like, yeah, they'll just take it and, and continue on. At least for me in the the last place that I just recently left, there was like this level of Kool-Aid that you pretty much like to get to the level above where I was, you had to drink the Kool-Aid in a way. Because part of the reason I left was I'm like, well, I'm doing the work of the level above me and I have been well over a year. So, and there was just no room to like promote me. So it's like, well, I'm going to grow somewhere else. But these people, like you said, surprise Pikachu face because they could not possibly fathom even wanting to work for anyone else. That is just, I could never relate to that. <laughs> they brought me in as I was leaving to understand why I was leaving. But when I gave them reasons, they would just attempt to like refute them instead of trying to understand what was actually going on. And my biggest reason was remote. And, and they were like, right, but you miss out on mentorship and spontaneous idea generation. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I thought this was like a fact-finding mission, not like an inquisition. That was quite the experience because, you know, those people had drank the Kool-Aid too. And, and they, they couldn't even remotely come close to processing why anyone would want to work remotely forever. And it's just like, I'm sorry, did we have the same COVID experience? Because I fucking loved it. Yeah. The not having to drive was magnificent. I'm not like a car person. 
it's like I can do general maintenance, like I can change my own oil, but uh, I don't know fuck all about cars. And <laughs> I ended up having to buy a new car battery because of how little I drive <laughs> my car. <laughs> yeah. I guess my my one final one just actually happened as I was leaving this last place. I sent my one friend a text who we both worked there. And I was like, hey, man, just so you know, I'm leaving, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you will not fucking believe what just happened. They're laying me off. And they were laying off like 5 to 7% of the whole workforce. I'm like, oh, my God. Like... What the, what the fuck? And then not even eight hours later, they're like, CEO is getting like a $36 million raise. And I was just like, okay, 5 to 7% if the average employee is making this much. And I was like, well, wouldn't you fucking know it? It's $30 million. Yeah. I don't understand how, from an optic standpoint, that's a seems super questionable right like why would you do it right then it happens so often though where it'll be like they announce a bonus for the ceo at the same time that they announce massive layoffs or the, or like they'll do a stock buyback at the same time as announcing massive layoffs and it's like clearly everyone can see where the money's coming from how is this right a positive spin for you the topic was interesting because we've both recently just left jobs Mm-hmm. taking new ones and we've experienced laying people off and firing people but the thing that was kind of a shock for me and no matter how much planning you put into it and how much you try to make the transition smooth it's always kind of a bumpy road going from one place to another oh yeah and so i kind of wanted to capture what it is to go through this because we had We've said in previous episodes about how leaving a job to go to a new one is like the easiest way to get a raise. Everyone that's hiring tends to hire for more than wherever you were coming from. If you've been at, at any position for an extended period of time, like three years or longer, odds are someplace else is paying more for exactly what you do. <laughs> so right. it's very easy to pick up and go someplace else and get a pay bump to continue doing that same thing just for a different brand. I kind of wanted to go through some of the things that really surprised me because uh, it had been six years since I had transitioned to a different job before. How many jobs did you apply for? Uh, I don't even remember. Was it under 100? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say probably 30 or 40. I was a lot more likely to apply to a job that had one click application, even if I wasn't interested. (laughs) When I was going to comment, I was like, if I take out the jobs that I was like completely unqualified for, like you needed to have like a law degree or you needed to be an MD, uh, I'm probably in the same ballpark. But if I put those back in, um, I probably applied for like 200 jobs because <laughs> of the one well, click. I'm just like, yeah, sure. It's like, I'll be a fucking resident director of a hospital. <laughs> I'll apply for it. Somebody might mess up eventually. And one of them did. I can't talk about it probably, but um, there was one company that definitely like clicked a button that they should never have talked to me. Talked to me. And I, uh, I had two interviews. <laughs> I would apply to ones that I wasn't really interested in the company, but 
it's like if i can get at least throw in some extra interview experience by having them reach back out to me or at least validate the salary that i'm asking for by talking to a bunch of different places because if you go out and ask for a certain salary and then every place you talk to is like yeah we can't do that then that's not a positive sign now if you talk to everyone and they're like oh yeah that's definitely then it's like okay maybe i should ask for more money (laughs) um so I would do a lot of those one-click ones at places I wasn't interested in because it had been six years since I had interviewed anywhere. And it's like a muscle that you have to exercise because interviews are so weird. They're it's not like you would normally talk to a person. You're sitting here trying to give like a pep speech about yourself. And that's just not something that's super oh, comfortable to do. Right. That was one of the first that I wrote down to talk about was kind of the stress of looking for the job. It's super freaking time consuming. You're sitting here going through looking through all these job sites, whether it's monster or indeed or any thousand other ones. And then you're stuck in this process of applying, which might be like you said, a one click on indeed or LinkedIn, or you click on it. And it takes you to their site where you have to fill out this giant form. And then they want you to write answers to like these freestyle text questions of like, what was a tough experience you had and how did you mm-hmm. overcome it? Like, this is dumb. This, this is 100% something you ask in person where you can go through and ask questions along the way and get feedback. It's not something that you make someone type out. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that happens there where it's just you would go into this application process and you're just sitting there going, like, who do you think you are that you think that this application process should take this long? Right. Like, sir, this is a fucking Wendy's (laughs) that I'm applying to. It's not (laughs) like it shouldn't take you two hours to get through this application. But there was that. And then the whole extra amount of time that it takes to field all of these calls. So you're either talking to recruiters who have no idea what the position actually is. They'll ask you these questions that are clearly just on a checklist that they're going through, checking the boxes as you answer. And it always blew my mind because like as a developer position, you'll have this question. It's like, well, do you have no JS experience? It's like, well, I haven't done anything in a production environment that was running Node.js, but I've worked on JavaScript in like 17 different places and using a whole number of libraries. So I'm familiar with the language. They're like, oh, okay. Well, they really need someone that does Node.js. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Contextually, that's really stupid. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's the thing is like, so you go through this process where you, each one of these that you go through, you basically learn like, who you're talking to and what you need to feed them to continue on in the process. So it just becomes this thing where you're basically learning how you lie your way into the the actual interviews. And then you're in the interviews and you have to start this process over again because you're talking to different people until you finally get to a point where they're extending offers. Because like this whole thing is has so little to do with what your actual capabilities are and so much more to do with how good you are at answering questions. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Can you trace back you deciding to leave a job? Because it's it's taking all these negative things and, and eventually you say, the negative that I get at this job 
outweighs the negatives of having to do the interview shit. And yes. like for, so distill any of the, your specific jobs down to a specific moment in time where you, where you flip a switch or, or do you just like, I don't know. I like, I'm curious about the, the process by which you evaluate it. it. Like, are you just sitting on the couch one night and you're like, you know what? Fuck this shit. So kind of, it's funny that you asked that question because there's been times where it'll be a meeting or something happens and you get this email or something breaks and you're not, you're like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And then there have been multiple times where I've said that updated my resume, started the process of looking and it's like, Oh, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like not worth the, the effort. And then it finally goes and it builds up to a point where where it'll finally be like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to suffer through this interviewing stuff. I'm going to continue to trudge my way through just because I have to go someplace else. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Right. I don't know that it's ever been one specific thing where, where we both worked. It kind of was in that the company laid off half the people and was like, well, <laughs> guess, that's about, guess that's a signal. <laughs> Should probably look for something else now but outside of that no there there hasn't been any one distinguishing thing where it's just like okay that's this it's typically just a culmination where it'd be like okay it's about time for me uh i think when i when i evaluate it the one thing that seems to have carried the most weight well so i i'd say it's two things one is the application process like is probably I'd say 60% of it. But then the other thing is um, taxes. Because I mean, I've for a while I was taking a new job every year. So it, I mean, it was and it was like doubling the amount of time for me to do taxes because of the like additional W-2s because I, I would never leave at like a time where I'd only have to file a single W-2 in a year. Every time I like evaluate whether or not I want to leave, I'm like, God, do I really feel like doing this on my taxes this year? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't think taxes have ever been a real sticking point for me when looking for a new job. It just got so bothersome where it was just like, I know I really shouldn't be like upset about this, but at the same time. The last point that I had down for what kind of drove some of the stress for looking for the job is trying to hide it from your current one because <laughs> you don't want to mm, yeah. blast that you're looking for a new job while before you have a new one because that could go bad and i've seen it go bad for somebody uh at the place we both worked there was a person who was having a bad day somewhat and was back in the office looking for a new job he was called up to go fix something and just straight ignored it from the whoever was in charge of the plant at the time or in charge of the office at the time and so they're like, oh, you need to come do this. You need to come fix this or look into this or whatever right now. And he's like, okay. And then just never came up. So like 40 minutes later, the boss came back and he's like, what the hell? Where are you? And he gave him a bunch of lip and he's like, are you looking for a new job right now? <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah. And so he's like, you know what? Just make that your full-time job. You can go home. <laughs> like that was intense <laughs> and i remember asking the guy afterwards like 
did you really intend to fire him today? And he's like, no, but I was just so pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. So that was, that was, yeah. So doing that on the job can have some real impacts. Yeah. Especially when you're going to blast it to everyone in the office to hear it. I remember a more nefarious thing was like the place I worked, I guess it was like my, my second kind of job after the vending machine one. They tried to kind of come off like the management tried to kind of come off with you can talk to us about anything we're here to build this like community blah 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 they were always big on like if you're feeling disgruntled or like you know if you're if you're not feeling good about where your job's at don't go looking for other jobs come and talk to us (laughs) about it and so one of the people that i knew went and did that and they um they like let them go pretty much immediately because and he's like wait what the fuck and they're like well you're looking for another job and he's like no i said i was thinking about looking for another job because this like one task i have to do is kind of shitty and so yeah it was i was like oh that's greasy yeah but that's why you don't tell anyone right that's a yeah you keep it silent until you have a job Another person from the place we worked, they basically just like told <laughs> told the manager to just like go fuck himself without having another job. And then they couldn't like find a job for like a while. Yeah, that happens. I was like, oh. The next major thing, and this one's kind of a soft one, but that I wrote down was that you lose that comfort of what's normal in your life. As a whole, people don't seem to like change a lot. And so changing jobs is a big change in your life and going from having your routine where you do the same thing every day and you're going to your normal job, you're talking to your normal people to go someplace else and start fresh can be kind of a big deal. If you're someone like you who does this on the regular, (laughs) it's probably not so different. It's like, oh yeah, it's the same thing, just different faces attached to them. Right. But for a lot of people going someplace, because people work for a place for a decade before they'll leave, which is oh my crazy. God, but, I'd rather just like have the lining of my stomach dissolve. But I've heard that from quite a few people where it's like, well, I'm used to where I'm at and I don't want to have to like familiarize myself with someplace else. That's like one of my favorite parts. Well, I, say, <laughs> I think it's kind of overblown because most places aren't that different it's usually going to be very similar just a different place but the fun of it is kind of meeting the new people that go with it but i i know that there's a lot of people that i've talked to that have said well or there'll be someone that they liked at their current job and like well like i like my manager or i like this other person i work with and it's like if you're willing to go through and be unhappy every day with what you're doing just because you have a friend there, like, you know, you can go like hang out with them after work, right? Like nothing says that you can't talk to them once you leave. <laughs> right. But that's, that's been a big thing for a, a lot of people I've talked to is that it's just change. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to confront it. Yeah. I, I mean, like for me, it's just like the paperwork shit. Cause it's like, okay, I gotta like roll over the retirement shit and I gotta figure this shit out on my taxes. And 
so and I think I think that's probably also why it doesn't take a lot for me to go, you know what, fuck this shit <laughs> type of thing, because that's such a low bar to set where I'm like, where it's just administrative paperwork. <laughs> like, ugh, I'm gonna have to spend an extra 15 minutes this day doing paperwork. Yeah. And then it's just like, wait, what did he just say to me? I'm over it. Like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And then the last major bullet point was something that just pisses me off to no end. And that's fucking health insurance. Mm, Cobra. Well, just in general, you're so tied to where you're working because of your health insurance and the fear of losing it. Mm-hmm. Like It's like a little noose loosely tied around your neck. <laughs> they can use like, well, what are you going to do if you don't have health insurance? Yeah. Like, Guess you'll just fucking die when you leave. Good riddance. Yeah. And it's even more frustrating because when you're going to look for new places, you're sitting here asking questions like, so you've got questions that are standard, like, well, what's the work environment like, which you'll never get a straight answer to. Then you have like, well, what are your standard hours, which you're probably not getting a a straight answer to in most places. And then like, you'll just ask what you're going to be doing. But one of the things that I found myself asking in this whole process was like, if you're getting further along, you start asking about health benefits, which it seems like a really <laughs> dumb thing. Like, well, what's the deductible on your health insurance plans? What are the expected out-of-pocket expenses? Like, and so you're building health insurance into like what you're expecting from a total compensation standpoint. Right. Which just feels so weird. Right. Well, because it's so independent of the job. Like it it exists as a separate yeah. pillar. And it has nothing to do with performance or anything. And you're sitting here going, it's like, well, at the last place, I had to pay this much a month and I was getting these benefits. Your benefits aren't quite as good. You're trying to fudge those numbers to make it kind of even. And when this is just such a dumb sticking point to be on. Right. And then the other part of that is what you said, Cobra. And I found this little stat somewhere that said a 2020 Kaiser Family Foundation analysis indicated that employers pay an average of 83% of the cost of their employees' health insurance and 74% of the, the total family premium for employees who add family members to their coverage. First off is the 83%, I, I, I'd buy that. I've seen that in a lot of places where the, it'll cover close, if not all, of the employees' health insurance at quite a few places. The 74%, I'm not so much buying into. Every place I've had has had absolutely freaking massive <laughs> co-pays right. for the employee yeah. on on their family members. And it's even funnier because you basically get punished for having a family because you have to pay all this extra health insurance. How dare you? It's not only that. And like, so where we were situation wise was my wife was a teacher when we were both at this, the place we worked together and we... <laughs> We're stuck in the situation where her entire salary, except for $100 a month, was going straight to daycare. We made the decision, like, okay, instead of having some random people at the daycare raise the kids, we'll just eat the $100 a month and you can raise the kids. And then it's like, okay, but then our health insurance went up a ton because the spouse is stupid expensive when it comes to family insurance plans. Right. That's kind of adjacent to this conversation but there was no way that they were covering 74 percent, and there was no way at the last place i was working they're covering 74 percent. you know you say it's adjacent but it's still like a barrier 
for oh yeah it's still leaving, like being able to part. leave your job comfortably yeah right? and i can't even i don't know having never been fired or laid off i cannot even remit, like even fathom like the stress you would feel for an unplanned exit from an employer like that that seems like shit you like lose fucking hair over and stuff yeah for sure so i took this kaiser family foundation that I took their numbers and tried to turn it into something that I would imagine would be Cobra costs. So the individual cost, it's been a long time since I've paid an individual premium. So I don't know if this number checks out, but I, I said, let's say it's $200 a month that you're paying for yourself. So if that's true, and then they're covering 83%, that would give you a Cobra of around pretty close to 1200 bucks a month for Cobra to keep your insurance. I think that's right. Or that's about right. That number sounds about what I would expect, maybe a little bit higher. Yeah, I think the last time I had to do Cobra, it was like 990. It's also dependent on what plan they have, and things have gotten way more expensive in, in recent years. Right. So if you turn that around to the family side, and I said $800 a month, which that's less than I was paying per month where I was before. That turns into $3,000 a month on Cobra. So a mortgage payment plus more. Yeah, a lot more. <laughs> um, so, And before anyone says that that number seems unreasonable, I actually had to get Cobra, and it was almost $2,800 a month. It was 27 something a month for Cobra. And fortunately, I only needed one month of it. But yeah. Can you pay that shit on your credit card? No. Like, uh, what's the expectation there? If it just so die? get this, <laughs> it was through some other benefits provider that you do this, and uh, I forget what the company was called that I went through. But you go on there, they're like, okay, so if you're going to pay online via ACH or a debit card, they're going to charge you a twenty dollar convenience fee, or you have to mail <sighs> a check. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, wait a minute. I haven't had checks in the last decade. Like, But, but wait a minute. Isn't an ACH all around easier for everyone involved? Like, from their standpoint, they don't have to send someone to a bank or anything to get this check deposited. And the money goes straight into their account, and it's basically signed off by the bank that says, hey, yeah, you got this money. Here you go. That was a whole ordeal. And... The thing that was really even more amazing was I needed Cobra to kick in at the beginning of the month. It took me three weeks after I gave notice before I even got the paperwork. So I gave, I had given four weeks notice and it took three of those weeks to even get an acknowledgement that Cobra was going to be picking me up. And then it took another three weeks for me to actually like everything was paid before the date and everything, but it took another three weeks to actually get the new cards. So by the time I actually got my insurance cards, I only needed the Cobra for one more week. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, this was dumb. And one of the major reasons for doing something like this is so that you don't have a gap in your insurance coverage. Because if right. you have a gap, it can cause all kinds Isn't of headaches kind for of you. Tax problems? Because I uh, remember there's like a form that has all the months on it. Well, it's not quite the same now because when the ACA was signed, the Affordable Care Act, it required everyone to have insurance. And so having a gap in your insurance caused all kinds of tax issues 
but as of like 2019 or something, that's no longer mandated unless you live in a state that requires it. But yeah, so you have this whole Cobra thing to deal with. And the thing is, you may be going into a company that has health insurance coverage and you're expected to get covered as soon at, like, at your new job, but their coverage doesn't start for 90 days, which is something that's super a fun. real thing. Yeah. Like, so you'll leave this job, you'll start a new one, but you don't get health insurance for up to 90 days before. <laughs> so you're stuck trying to figure out some interim solution. And I had run into this when I went to my last job where it was like 30 days or 90 days or something like that of a waiting period before your insurance kicked in. So I ended up having to get some kind of short-term insurance to cover the gap. So I didn't have this, <laughs> this gap in coverage. And that was a whole thing to go through, but that's at least covered by like the internet type businesses where you go in and you buy it online and you get yeah. your e-cards like instantly. And it was, it was way less painful than the Cobra stuff, but still you're stuck here paying this other cost out of pocket all because the insurance doesn't kick in day one, which is just strange. That is really weird. That was this huge headache of just trying to go from one place to another. And you're sitting here going like, I just hope nothing happens because your cards expire and you're waiting on new cards because insurance somehow has to, you know, mint these cards out of crystal with a guy chiseling it and, and they can't just send you an elect or like an email that says, Hey, here's your new insurance information in case you need it before the cards arrive. <laughs> like it's so dumb. <laughs> it's just something that I thought would be easier and it wasn't. Yeah. Well, even, even with my new job, like one, you get insurance right away. So that's super sweet. But the problem was, is that they backdate your insurance start date to your, the start date of you with the company. So we were on Danielle's insurance and you, as a qualifying event, you only have 30 days. And so I basically applied for insurance right away. Like Philip, you know, uh, elected insurance right away and it took like three weeks to get it and it's cool because you know if anything had happened between then and now is we would have been covered either by my insurance or Danielle's insurance but we were trying to get off of Danielle's insurance and we were coming down to the 30-day wire mm -hmm. even though I hadn't really had like the opportunity to actually like you know submit all this paperwork because you have to wait until you get the cards yeah and so and and because there's this like initial sign on thing that you're waiting for and and so i waited like three weeks for it and then it was like oh my god are we gonna get this in time oh my god are we gonna get this in time and it just became this whole ordeal and so i was like why do they make this so hard yeah it's a super frustrating process and has like zero visibility to it whatsoever you're just sitting here you're feeling like you're completely left out in the dark and it's just and you know, in the back of your mind, it's like, if there is even like a two day gap in my insurance coverage, I know that's when I'm going to be the guy that like trips on the sidewalk and breaks my leg. Right. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, well, we don't cover that. Or, or it's like multiple insurance where it's like you like it hit the side of your head. It changes your vision, knock, chips your front tooth, <laughs> break, you, break yeah. your arm. It's so frustrating. And it's such a huge headache for changing jobs 
you you just constantly evaluate this like value proposal in your head is like is the stress i'm experiencing at my job or the shit you know just whatever shit you're in worth the switch because you know some jobs they just pay you more money even though they're shitty and that's what keeps you in or there's you know they some jobs try and i'm using like quotes your culture and and things like that but you know it's it's ultimately like weighing all of that out and i think i don't know i can't can't really provide any context into the like getting laid off besides like stories that other people have told me um but you know I'm, i'm sure that sucks too and then i had one last point on just leaving or getting fired or whatever is that when you take your new job in most cases you'll be starting over with vacation time so even if you're in the ideal scenario where you left a job and you had three weeks of vacation saved up or two weeks of vacation or whatever and they pay it all out to you you get this nice little bonus but you're sitting there going okay well now i have to wait however long until i have enough days to be able to take my vacation or to take any time off so it basically puts you in this holding pattern of like well i better wait at least four or five months once i start this job so that i can actually take vacation time and heaven forbid you like get sick or anything yeah um yeah that's actually in the like hey nate you're a millennial talk to us about why you're leaving um session my my last job um they were fucking flabbergasted there was a section where we had to like talk and and essentially compare benefits with where we were going and and w- one it was interesting because they didn't consider being remote a benefit um but i did so so they were like let's let's just talk benefit to benefit so they're like you know how they're almost like trying to like neg me into coming back to the job but they're like how do you feel about having to like reaccrue all your pto because this place it they give you five weeks of pto so it's really good at least for united states standards and um i'm like oh i don't it's unlimited where i'm going and <laughs> they're basically just like i'm i'm sorry i was like i was like yeah it's it's unlimited and like the they pretty much kind of like require you to take at least like five weeks or they you know yeah. they they push you towards that number but it could be more you know it's just are you getting your work done and they just like could not possibly fathom it be and i'm not sure if they'd ever talked like i don't know if there'd ever been any success where they had like had that session with people and they're like no you know what i am gonna stay here but like it still was was really funny because they like could not conceptualize like unlimited pto and i'm normally very wary of unlimited pto but I I like the fact that this new place kind of spoke about not mandatory minimums, but like but pretty much like you'll get a call if you haven't. Yeah, I talked to a couple places that said that they were looking at implementing policies just like that. That would basically they would set up in their HR system to basically flag them if you hadn't taken so much time each quarter that right. like they would strongly suggest that you take time. Yeah, and at like they were just like, so you just anytime you want, and I'm like, yeah, you know, as long as you give them enough heads up. Yeah, and and they're like, they're like, well, that uh, you know, that probably doesn't start until ninety days. I was like, no, it's it starts day one. I could technically take 
like the second day off if they needed to. When I was coordinating start dates, I had a vacation already planned. And so it was going to be set up where I was going to come in, work for two weeks, and then take a week of vacation. (laughs) And they were perfectly cool with that. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it's like, so that's, it's like, that's funny because you don't have vacation time at a normal position. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird because that's the one thing that my manager is constantly like, it's like, she's almost trying to get me to take time off where she's like, you know, you don't have a lot going on this day. Are you just trying to like, you know, leave a little early or take the whole day? And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I'm sorry, I'm just not used to this. But, but yeah. Um, and then, so I, I know we're kind of getting towards the end of it, but I, I have a very pressing uh, story slash question to ask you. Okay. All right. I had a friend text me last week and he texted me something that I never expected would make me so upset. So uh, he, he texted that a, per, a lady that he works with was eating macaroni and cheese at nine o'clock in the morning. Like breakfast? Yeah. She was eating macaroni and cheese for breakfast. Well, no, it, like don't make excuses for this person, Jerry. And I mean, I mean, is I, it like, all that much different than cereal? It it absolutely is. And so, and what what's wild? So he gave me some other examples of things she'd eaten for breakfast, including Little Caesars breadsticks, and I was actually kind of fine with that. And so I, I mean, I'm texting him in all caps for like days after, just like repeating macaroni and cheese for breakfast, uh, because it it boggled my mind, and so. I, I mean, this was like something that kind of kept me up at night and, and I ended up having to develop my own set of like rules, my like system for evaluating whether or not a food is appropriate to eat during breakfast. And what's wild is I actually found some things that on paper I initially would have balked at, but based on my system, I actually should be fine with like pie. Like he said, they were eating a uh, fruit, some kind of fruit pie, I guess this last Thursday. I'm like, I don't know, that's kind of weird. But based on my system, it, it basically breaks up, break everything down into components. It's basically a donut. Right. But isn't mac and cheese basically like eating no, cereal I, or oatmeal? Name, name one breakfast noodle dish. Um, well, not the noodles, but I, no, I face the, value. The noodles. It's because it's, it's like, think about this Little Caesars breadsticks. So... It's bread, but you have bread, you know, you can have bread as far as like toast goes. And yeah, but that's like what other... noodles are. No, noodles are not bread. Noodles are noodles. Okay. I mean, it, I, it sounds very similar to a cereal to me. No, no, I, cereals are grains. Yeah, but bread, bread, cereal, that kind of all sits in the same category in my head. But it's noodles, Jerry. Noodles for breakfast (laughs) and that's what's wild is i'm i'm fine with other carbs i've seen people do rice for breakfast where it's like rice with like it's sugar and milk and stuff and it's kind of like a like a shitty version of cream of wheat almost yeah cream of wheat is a shitty version of cream of wheat that's true (laughs) but i i mean i am like surprised at how upset i am about this because i'm like 
noodles for breakfast. It, like even yeah, like back to the breadsticks. It has butter. It has garlic. It has cheese, and it has bread. All of those things are perfectly fine to eat for breakfast. Even if you look at mac and cheese, it is cheese and noodles. And cheese you can have for breakfast, but there is just <laughs> something about noodles for breakfast that is just this abomination. Okay. So what what would you be your stance on like a grilled cheese for breakfast? Grilled cheese is fine. Based on my system, grilled cheese is fine for breakfast. But not mac and cheese. Not mac and cheese because there's noodles in it. You don't eat noodles for breakfast. I am going to go find a noodle breakfast dish just to prove you wrong. Oh my God. Well, somebody brought up a breakfast lasagna and I was just like, that does not fucking count. You can't just attach lasagna to every concept and just turn it into a thing. You're not supposed to have noodles for breakfast. Um, but the one thing uh, I, I came to a weird conclusion to, how often do you have scrambled eggs? Uh, not super often, maybe do once you, a month. Do you usually put stuff in it like onions, garlic? Uh, just cheese, pepper, maybe. Is that an omelet? Yes. In my mind, the only difference between an omelet and scrambled eggs is that you we're more aggressive with how you started. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, my, mine, uh, mine was because I don't know. I, I basically break it down to its components. So I'm like, if you put anything in scrambled eggs besides like, if you put any other like food in in scrambled eggs, it becomes an omelet. Well, the only the major difference right? is just in how you prepare it. Scrambled eggs are scrambled, and omelets you're trying to make it the weird flap that you can close in half like a tortilla yeah, but shell but it's still just eggs and vegetables mm -hmm. what what is what is the constituent difference between scrambled eggs with onion and an omelet with onion like presentation chemically? it's just presentation just like a taco and a burrito are the same thing but they're presented mm. differently like if you fold the ends in on a soft taco you have a burrito you have a tiny burrito yeah my God, see? my God. Yeah. And see what's weird about that is, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I feel like tortillas are fine for brunch. A breakfast just, burrito is a great food. You can't just, this is the lasagna thing again. You just can't like. A breakfast burrito is scrambled something. eggs tossed into a tortilla shell for easy handling. I mean, I love breakfast burritos. It's, Don't get me wrong, but they're they, like it that it destroy it destroys my component item theory of like, no, of acceptable breakfast foods. No, it's how you make scrambled eggs car friendly. That is true. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll let that one side. But I will not budge <laughs> on noodles for breakfast. If it doesn't, if I can't find something, I am creating something. But to circle back to capitalism <laughs> from the outskirts of what is or isn't an acceptable breakfast food, typically it will involve some kind of pay increase. Your odds are you're, in, you're leaving because you don't like where you're at and the new place is going to give you more money. But it comes with a lot of frustration, which is what I'm guessing is keeping a lot of people from going out and looking for a new job. I will say, at least in my experience, it's always been worth it. Necropolism Podcast was brought to you by the ramblings of two crazy people at Minimal Useful Industries. 
If you hate yourself and would like to learn more, while maybe having a bit of a laugh, we invite you to check out our website at minimallyuseful.com. If you'd like to check out more from the careers of our incredible music, check out heftone.com or search for Heftone Banjo Orchestra. A link to their website is in our description. Until next time, love minimally useful industries. Thank you.